Okay, so we're picking up where we left off. Uh, if you're using the Yaffa edition of Ashari Bitahon, which is Art Scroll, we're on page 29. We're reviewing a fourth spiritual benefit of Bitahon. Just to summarize, Holot uh, Alevavot opens up this gate by telling us a bunch of spiritual and physical benefits of having Bitahon, which is full trust and reliance on Hashem. Just to review, we said the first spiritual benefit of Bitahon is a person has full calmness and peace of mind in his life because he is relying on Hashem the way a servant relies on his master where all his needs are taken care of for him so he doesn't have to worry about a thing. He just has to show up to work and everything else is taken care of. The second spiritual benefit that we learned is that a person who has full reliance on Hashem has no fear of other people or other events that occur in the world because he believes that his fate is all in Hashem's hands so nobody can harm him or nobody, nobody has any power over him because the only person that this person has, uh, or not, I shouldn't say person, but the only being that this person has any subservience to is Hashem. So it sort of gives him this fearless invincibility. And then the third spiritual benefit of Bitahon is that someone who trusts in Hashem has security. So it clear, allows him to clear his mind from worldly matters and focus more on important things in life, such as, of course, the service of Hashem, spirituality, and, uh, and various other things. So those were the first three benefits that we discussed over the last couple classes. And we're going to pick up now with a fourth spiritual benefit of Bitahon. We're on page 29. Another benefit that trusting in Hashem provides, spiritually speaking, is that when someone has Bitahon in Hashem, he will properly be able to use his resources in Hashem's service regardless of his financial situation. What does that mean? If he's a rich guy, that whenever an expense comes up in his, in his ledger, he will be able to properly spend his money towards the mitzvot and towards what he owes to Hashem and to other people. He does it eagerly and generously. And if he's not wealthy, if the guy's lacking funds, he'll be content because he'll realize that it's from Hashem and it's for his best that right now he doesn't have the funds. And since it's coming from Hashem, there's no guilt, there's no worry, there's no concern. So this guy who, who has full faith in Hashem and full trust in Hashem, he's sort of accepting and at peace with his current financial situation. He has this peace of mind, the Shavat Nefesh. Because the guy who doesn't have enough money, let's say, by virtue of having these limited funds, he's actually freed from monetary obligations that the extra money would have on him towards Hashem and towards other people. So it's almost like the guy's just, he has a positive outlook. If he has a lot of money, he's grateful. He could spend it on mitzvot. He can give charity. He can help other people. He can pay his bills. He can do what he needs to do. And if a guy doesn't have a lot of money, okay, Hashem doesn't want me to have money right now. I don't have obligations. You know, they say more money, more problems. This guy has a simple life. He doesn't own properties in every place. He's not giving pledges all over the place that he has to keep track of. He doesn't have a ton of bills he has to cover. He lives a simple life. He lives a quiet life. And he's at peace right now. This is his current situation. And because he has these limited funds, 
He technically has less distractions on his mind. They have to protect the money, manage the money, invest the money. So he has more peace of mind to dedicate himself to Hashem in other ways. So maybe he's not spending money on all types of projects and, and, and things like that. But now he could spend his time doing more mindful things, mitzvot that don't require necessarily money. But he, he, can, he can use other efforts. He can do chesed, let's say, instead of charity. So what Chavot HaLevot is going to do now is they're going to give a little example. He's going to give an example of, of what this benefit means of not having, let's say, a distraction of extra funds. And, and the reason he's bringing this up is, listen, a guy with no bitachon, a guy with no trust, he's stressed out, right? If a guy has a lot of money, he feels I have to keep the money, I have to earn the money, I have to invest the money, I have to make sure I don't lose the money, I have to pay the... The guy's thinking more physical, he's toiling, he's stressing himself out. And a guy with no money is stressed, he has no money. Guy with emunah, guy with full trust... My situation is my situation. He sort of makes the best of it. So what's the anecdote? There's a story about one of the pious ones. He would say very often, may Hashem save me from scattering of the soul. What does that mean? Someone once asked him, say this. Uh, what do you mean scattering of the soul? This guy's walking around saying, Hashem save me from the scattering of my soul. He says, scattering of the soul means that I have money invested in so many places, in so many different places that my mind is jumping around from place to place. I have money in so many different places that I'm dizzy. I have to think about all these different things. I'm preoccupied. I have to protect my investments. I have to strategize. And, and, and that's what they say in Pirkei Avot, that he's quoting Pirkei Avot, when they said that someone who increases his possessions increases his worry. Another thing they say, another thing they say in, in, in uh, uh, Pirkei Avot, is who's truly a rich man? Someone who's happy with his share. Right? So, so again, a person who's happy with his share is a person with emunah. Guy who has bitahon, he has trust. So if he has even limited means, He's content with whatever Hashem gives him. He's, and, and, and Pirkeavot saying, that guy is wealthier than the guy who's rich, but who's concerned with how to preserve his, his money and expand his money. Um, so, so he's really driving this point home about somebody having peace of mind because of, 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 of his trust in Hashem that his current situation is, is, is what it's supposed to be. Now, Boteach Badonai, Yasik to Eletamamon, Retsoni Lomar Panasato. The, sum, the, the, the person who puts his trust in Hashem will thus gain the benefit of having money. Meaning, meaning that he'll have enough income to sustain him because whatever he's making, he's making the best of it. So the money that he has coming in, it's perfect for him. He's thrilled. He's happy. Every dollar he spends, he's spending happily. Whatever he gets in return for the money he's spending, he's happy. And, 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 and not only is he getting the full benefit of his money, where he's getting that pleasure, because he's he's going to be spared the stress and worries and anxieties that comes to the wealthy people without Pitahon, right? Who are preoccupied about managing the money and worrying about preserving it. So basically they're saying this guy can have his cake and eat it too. Someone who Pitahon... No matter how much money he's making, whether a lot or a little, even a lot. You could be a rich guy with bitahon. It's not like you have to be poor if you have bitahon. The point they're making is a guy with bitahon, no matter what he's making, he's content. No matter what he's making, 
he's thrilled, he's happy, and he's getting the benefit of the money without getting the side effects of the money. Like King Solomon says in Kohelet, sweet is the sleep of the laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the rich man's satiety does not let him sleep. So King Solomon says, the laborer who shows up to work and works in the fields, guy sleeps great. Guy sleeps great at night. Why? Whether or not he makes a lot of money, at the end of his day, he hangs up his work tools, he goes home, he eats his bread, he goes to sleep. The rich guy, King Solomon is saying, is up all night. He's managing the business, he's dealing with the crises, he's dealing with, and by the way, a good example for us in modern day business is an employee versus a CEO. You know, an employee might say, it's not fair, why is the CEO making all this money and I'm not, and I'm only making, you know, X amount. Well, you ask the employee, are you up 24 seven managing the factories, the warehouse, the ports, the customers, the brands, the product development, meaning are you taking on all the risk? Are you putting in all the capital? Are you putting in all the time? So, so it's the same concept. You have somebody who's very reliant on Hashem. He does his work, he comes home, he goes to sleep. You have a person who's not reliant on Hashem, all the stress is on him, all, that, all, all, all the stuff is, is sitting on his head. So. The fourth spiritual benefit of bitahon that we just learned is that it enables a person to utilize all his resources, no matter how much resources he has, big or small, he can utilize it all in Hashem's service, regardless of how much he has. If he's wealthy, he'll be happy. He could spend his money on charity. He could spend his money on mitzvot. He doesn't have stress because he has bitahon. He's enjoying his money. And if the guy doesn't have money, doesn't matter. He appreciates what he has. He appreciates that Hashem freed him from the worries that wealth would bring. And he enjoys what he has. Either way, a guy with bitahon is satisfied with his portion. Beautiful, beautiful uh, example that uh, the Chavot HaLavot brings down. Beautiful. Okay, a fifth spiritual benefit. Umehem, another benefit that Bitachon brings spiritually. Ki Someone who truly puts his trust in Hashem, when he makes money, when he actually gets rich, it won't prevent him from continuing to trust in Hashem. Because he's not relying on the excess money as his assurance for the future. And he's not looking at it as if he made the money. Where now he's arrogant and now he starts to, he starts to attribute the success to him. He's saying that a guy with true trust in Hashem can get rich and still have the benefits that he may have had before he got rich. Right? Because sometimes, you know, they say, uh, you know, like the lotto winners, right? What happens? A guy wins a lottery, his life gets destroyed. A lot of people, they ruin their lives because they don't know how to handle it. So he's saying another benefit of a guy with true bitahon, he can actually get rich and live healthy and live properly with the excess money. Rather, he looks at the money as a deposit that Hashem happened to give him that he has to use in specific ways and, and for specific purposes, right? He, he, has to, he, has to, he has to use the money properly for good things, for mitzvot, for charity. He has to deal with people with the money honestly. He's following the mitzvot, the halacha, this man kasub, and he knows that the money is temporary. Money comes and goes, right? Rabbi Nachman says that anyone who, who encounters money 
it is inevitable the money will leave him. Man and money were not meant to be together. Money comes, money goes. Money gets, money moves around because there's a tikkun in money. There are spiritual sparks in money. So money is meant to move from person to person. The rich get money so they can give it to the poor and do God's will with it. And the poor don't have money so that they can either earn it or they can receive it or they can do whatever they need to do um, in this world and in the next world. So Cholot Levot is saying that a guy who understands my money is coming from Hashem. Whatever money I get, it's, it's temporary. It's Hashem giving it to me now. It can be taken from me at any time. Right? The guy, it's the opposite of a guy who's arrogant, who thinks it's all him. Oh, it's all my money. I'm making my money. He, he, he thinks he's a big shot. He's in control. He's in zero control. He's in zero control. And since he, he, he knows that at the end of the day, it's coming from Hashem, even if the money stays with him, he's not going to become arrogant. From the fortune, because at the end of the day, he knows it's Hashem who's hel- who's helping him keep the money. In addition, when he gives charity, he realizes that he's just distributing Hashem's money. It's not really his money; it's Hashem's money. So when he gives charity, he knows it's really Hashem's money that's going around. So he doesn't become arrogant. He doesn't tell people, "Oh, you don't know what I did for this guy. You know, I donated this. I did this." Meaning. He's not trying to be a, a big shot and to be arrogant about his charity. He's giving it from his heart because he truly believes in his heart. This is Hashem's money. Hashem gave me this money. He's lending me this money to do good with it. So when he gives charity, he's not doing it like a big shot. He's not doing it for the PR. He's giving it to be emet. I actually just learned that, I learned that today in Prakavo, that if you're giving charity is something we need to do. Something you have to do. So... Okay, give charity, whatever. Can't just show off, oh, I do charity. But you're supposed to do it. So like, you Love know. that. I love that. Meaning, what's a guy bragging about giving charity for? It's a mitzvah. You have to do it. It's like bragging that you're putting on tefillin. Exactly. So, you, you, of course, you should do it and, and, and it'll help you do more. And, and you could give it, you know, be a charitable guy and give more. But if the first do it, 10%, and the... I love that. Beautiful. And, and what else is nice is the guy won't be giving the charity in an impure way, meaning where he's expecting something in return. He's not just giving the charity to either be praised or complimented or honored or to, to, or to have a favor done back for him. The guy is giving charity with 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 Lev Tov. Rather, he's grateful to give charity because he knows Hashem made him an agent, made him a shaliach to help other people. So the money is actually making him more humble. The money is actually making him a better person because he realizes that it's coming from Hashem. So his charity is now making him more subservient to Hashem and it's giving him more emunah. And since he knows that he is a temporary holder of Hashem's money, if he loses the money, God forbid, if it's stolen, if he loses it in business, however, if he loses the money, he won't be depressed. He won't mourn and cry and be depressed and be broken and, 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 and be uh, inconsolable. Because at the end of the day, the whole time in his heart, you know, uh, it's money, it's Hashem's. Hashem gave me this money, he could take it anytime. So if God forbid he loses it, the guy's at peace. He doesn't get affected. It doesn't end his life. 
On the contrary, he will realize that the allotted time as a custodian has ended, his time to hold this money has now finished, and he will thank Hashem for taking back the deposit and say, you know what, Hashem, I'm grateful for the times I had it. Thank you for the time I had it. It was beautiful. I did my best that I could with it. You took it back, Hashem, it's okay. And just as he thanked him for giving it to him in the first place, he will now be thankful that Hashem took it back. And he'll be happy with his new amount, with his new share of money. He'll be content with his new position of not being an agent to distribute funds. Maybe there's something else he could do now. And now the guy could be at peace. And he's not gonna he's not gonna fall into envy of other people or jealous of other people or wish harm on other people, right? Because a lot of people without Bitahom, without Imunah, when they lose something, misery wants company, right? So now a guy loses something, now he's jealous of this guy has his money. How come he didn't lose his money in that deal? Oh, look at this guy, and he's wishing harm on people, God forbid, or he's envious. So saying this guy doesn't have any of that. He trusts in Hashem, he's at peace, he understands that it's temporary that he was holding the money, and that's it. The way that uh, King Solomon said, Sadiq Ochel Lesoba Nafsho. A righteous person eats to satisfy his soul. Meaning, the Sadiq doesn't need to indulge in luxuries. Sadiq doesn't have to travel all over the world. He just eats to sustain his soul. He doesn't need extra money. The Sadiq just wants to give me enough so I can live, give me enough so I can do what I need to do. And so that and so that I can I can function uh, to the best of my ability to serve Hashem and, and 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 live a good life. Whereas a person who thinks that his fortune is his, he feels he deserves the money, and he and it was an injustice that he lost it, and he feels he's a big shot that he's helping the poor, and if it wasn't for him, the the poor people wouldn't be able to survive, and he feels it's all on him. Again, he's gonna have a very unfortunate ending when he loses his money. Right or like we said at the beginning in, in our previous classes, he might become he might lose the joy in his life where the money starts to actually hurt him because he he becomes blind. So so that is 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 the is the fifth and final spiritual benefit of bitahon that quotes, which is that a person can truly understand and know that the money that comes to him is from Hashem. The money does not affect his life, doesn't affect his reliance on Hashem or his righteousness. He remains content. He's happy. He's spared from being envious of other people. And he gets to just enjoy himself and uh, and, and be proper. And, and again, he views wealth as, as a gift from Hashem. So he uses it for good things, for a purpose of doing mitzvot, for purposes to, 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 to do good for the world. That makes him more thankful. I like that point where you said about even if someone has so much money and it's they don't need to worry, but of course you got to worry because then you're thinking about the next deal, the next thing, the next, you know, you're thinking about all about your money. So if you have Vita Fun, you relax and you enjoy even if you have a lot of money. Exactly, regardless. So before we move on to the five worldly benefits of Bitachon, the physical benefits, let's just recap the five spiritual since this is where the spiritual benefits end. The first spiritual benefit we said is a person has complete peace of mind and relaxation and no worries because Hashem is his master and he, like a servant to his master, has no worries. He just has to show up to work. Everything else is completely taken care of. That is the first benefit. 
The second benefit of bitahon is you have no subservience to other human beings or to events in the world. You're fearless because the only, the only being you fear is Hashem and you know Hashem runs the world. Hashem is protecting you. The third spiritual benefit is that a person who trusts Hashem can clear his mind from his security and focus on services to Hashem. That third benefit was when we went through the 10 ways that Bitahon is better than an alchemist, right? Because that guy's worried and he's running and he's thinking and he's doing, whereas someone with Bitahon doesn't have any of these distractions. A person with Bitahon has a clear mind. He can focus on his life, his family, he can focus on his business, he can settle, live in one place. The guy's at peace. The fourth spiritual benefit that we just learned today is that a person can properly use his money to serve Hashem because he's not he's not using the money uh, for the wrong reasons. If he has a lot of money, he could spend it on mitzvot, and if he has a little money, he can he can use it to the best of his ability and uh, and uh, focus on other ways of serving Hashem. And then the fifth spiritual benefit is that if he actually makes money and he actually does become wealthy, it doesn't become toxic to him. He doesn't become arrogant when he's giving charity. He doesn't become arrogant when he's earning money. And if he, God forbid, loses the money, he doesn't become depressed or envious of other people. So it gives him a healthier relationship towards money. So the difference between the fourth benefit and the fifth benefit is the fourth benefit is how a person with bitahon specifically uses money to serve Hashem and to spiritually enhance his life. Whereas someone without bitahon who takes all the credit probably doesn't feel the need to use his money for spiritual purposes. Whereas the fifth benefit is more specific to how the money actually affects the guy's mind, affects the guy's brain. A guy, the fifth benefit is that a guy with a bitahon can get rich, but it doesn't make him arrogant and it doesn't make him paranoid and it doesn't make him afraid to lose it. It doesn't make him depressed or angry or envious if he loses it. It makes him content. He understands I'm a temporary holder of this money. This money is temporary. Hashem is gifting it to me. And therefore, as he earns it, he has gratitude to Hashem. And as he gives it, he has gratitude to Hashem. And even if he loses it, he has gratitude to Hashem because again, he knows it is a temporary loan. Let's keep going. Let's talk about the first worldly benefit of bitahon. As for the benefits regarding bitahon to physical material in the world, man, one of them is menuhat halev mina deagot haolamiot. Someone who relies on Hashem is content with what he provides, with what Hashem provides, and he enjoys peace of mind from the various worldly worries that weigh on those who believe in their own efforts. So let's see, because it sounds kind of similar to some of the spiritual ones, let's unpack it. And he enjoys serenity from the emotional unrest and distress normally brought on by failing to attain one's material desires. So basically picking up where we left off from the last piece, it connects to it pretty well. If a person believes that his successes and his failures are his own doing, then when he can't get something that he wants, the guy gets stressed, he gets sad, and he might do anything it takes to get what he wants. He might do things that are illegal. He might do things that are unhealthy. But when a person knows that regardless of his efforts, he's not going to get more or less than what Hashem wants him to have that year, he's freed from all the stress and he's also not going to be unethical. See, in business, it's very easy to 
cut corners and to make excuses to get what you think you need to get because this is business. Business is war. Business is war and battling. What people forget is even war technically has rules, right? There's even there's, there's battle laws. So a person with bitahon who really believes I'm meant to make what I'm going to make this year. Everything I make comes from Hashem. And if I do the right thing, Hashem will take care of me. The guy won't be so stressed to a point where he's doing things he might not, he shouldn't be doing to get what he feels he needs to get. He believes Hashem's providing everything he needs. And if he doesn't get something, it's for his own good. Now, of course, we know a guy has to do his tadlut. That's how Hashem designed the world. Guy has to do his tadlut. But ultimately, it's what Hashem wants that's going to determine how someone is going to achieve something. So the emotional unrest that comes with someone without bitachon, that's what this, that's what this is talking about here. It's when a person physically drains himself by, by doing things maybe he shouldn't be doing because he feels that it is all in his hands, his failures and his successes. And the guy who trusts in Hashem, instead of experiencing worries and stress, the guy who relies on Hashem is tranquil and secure and serene. As it says in the Yirmiya, blessed is the man who trusts in Hashem, that Hashem will be his security. So the more, and it's funny, it's saying, blessed is the man who trusts in Hashem, then Hashem will be his security. It's saying that the more a person puts his trust in Hashem, the more Hashem will provide. So the guy who believes it's his effort, and it almost ties into the, 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 the piece we mentioned at the beginning about the spirituality piece of, of Hashem will subject you to what you put your faith in. It's saying here in Yirmiyah that if you trust in Hashem, Hashem's going to take care of you. Hashem will make sure that you're spared. Why? Hashem wants you to have more emunah. So when Hashem sees you're relying on Him, He wants to deliver for you. Hashem wants to give you what you're, what you're asking for. And then it says, you will be like a tree planted near the water, which spreads out its, root, out its roots along the brook. And, uh, and this person now will basically always be near the source of sustenance, which is Hashem, like a tree planted near the water. And the same way that a tree can, can, can just exist knowing it's near its source, this guy can just exist knowing he's near, near Hashem. He's not worried about the economic conditions of the world. He's not worried about what his competitor is doing. He's not worried if, if, if the buyer changed and now you know his sales might change. He understands that he's near the source. Hashem at the end of the day is the one that's controlling the money. So, so he has this, this peace of mind and it will affect him in the physical sense where he might not have to do things he might otherwise do if he felt it was all in, in his control. The guy doesn't have to steal. The guy doesn't have to lie. The guy doesn't have to cheat. The guy doesn't have to do things that make him uncomfortable, that aren't good for him, for his family, for his soul, that put him at risk. The guy can just live with tranquility knowing that Hashem is, 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 is running the world. So the first worldly benefit here is that it frees a person from, from, from these stresses. And yes, it might sound similar to the spiritual benefit, but this is now a physical manifestation of that. It's a physical manifestation. The other one was saying that a person has a clear mind. He's stress-free so he can actually do good with his, with his clarity of mind. He can spend his time and energy and effort doing good things and living a quality life. Here, it's saying that he, he, he physically does not have to now go out and feel a certain way and do a certain thing and psychologically, mentally, and emotionally feel a certain way uh, of being stressed 
that uh, that he has to now be in a in a tough position. Next, Umehan, another benefit. This is a second worldly benefit. That someone who relies on Hashem, who believes that that Hashem will will, will give him his income, however he's going to give it to him, he enjoys relief from having to travel on distant journeys. This is an emotional and a physical benefit because constant travel wears down the body and can bring the end of one's life. The way it says, He has afflicted my strength through journey. He has shortened my days. So what's he saying here? He's saying, when a guy believes in his heart that Hashem is going to take care of him, he doesn't have to go on a wild goose hunt. He doesn't have to chase the next opportunity, the next billion dollar idea, travel the world, go all over, go city to city, find this, I got to go in. When a guy's chasing, when you, when you feel you have to run after your money, you have to chase after your money, it's exhausting. And he's saying here, not mentally exhausting like we said, it's physically exhausting. In fact, he's actually quoting in Tehillim, he has afflicted my strength through journey, he has shortened my days. He's literally saying that it brings you closer to death when you over-travel. And I'm reading the commentary here. It says, extensive travel is punishing to the body due to the discomfort of the road and changes in climate. This was certainly in the case in the times when journeys involved difficult treks or grueling wagon rides on unpaved roads. But even nowadays, a traveler is deprived of sleep, his eating routine is disrupted, and his body is forced to adjust to rapid changes in time zones and climates, all of which take their toll on one's health. I mean, listen, we look at our grandparents. They used to go to the Far East for months at a time. Exhausting. Different cultures, different food, different sleep schedules, like he was saying. So the whole point is somebody who believes my, 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 my money will come to me. It'll come to me at the right time. The opportunities will come. I just have to do my shadud. I have to be aware. It prevents that paranoid, panicked, workaholic obsession of having to constantly run and chase after different opportunities around uh, 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 around the world. And now he's going to give another anecdote to explain why Bitachon frees a person from traveling to distant places. It is said about one of the Perushim, which, which uh, Perushim here it says, uh, singular, it's Parush, it's those who are withdrawn. That's really what it means. It's saying it's people who withdraw from the pursuit of material matters and seek to connect with spirituality. Okay? So it's saying these people, these Perushim, who would withdraw themselves from physicality, in the early stage of a person who's separating from worldly pursuits, before he fully embraced this practice, right, of separating himself, he traveled to a distant land to find the source of income, right? Because that's what this guy used to do. He used to travel to, to, to find income. And when he went to the city, he, he met a certain idol worshiper. He met a goy. This aspiring parush, meaning this guy who's traveling for business, who, 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 who in his mind, you know, he wants to withdraw from worldly matters. He asks him, he says, you, 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 you idolaters, you guys act so blind. You guys have such bad judgment with your foolish approach of worshiping idols. Like, like don't you understand that, that Hashem runs the world and creates and controls everything? You're worshiping the sun. You're worshiping the moon. 
But don't you understand that it's Hashem who created these things? That, that's basically that's basically what he's what he's saying. Amarlo ha'negushi ma atavet, and the idol worshiper says, "Oh yeah, and what do you worship?" Amarlo aparush ani obed aborei ayachol ha'mechal kel ha'echad ha'matrifa asher en kamohu. So the guy replies, what do you mean? I worship the creator. I worship Hashem, the sustainer of existence. There's no one like Hashem. He says, really? So you're saying, you're bashing me that I worship idols. I am asking you who you worship. You're saying you're worshiping the creator. But your behavior is contradicting what you're telling me. He says, yeah, how? What are you talking about? He says, listen, he says, if what you're saying is true, that you believe in Hashem, you believe in the creator of everything, you believe, then Hashem would have provided for you in your own city the same way he provides you here in our city. Meaning, if you believed in Hashem, why would you have to go this far to try to find a dollar? If you believed in God, you wouldn't have had to leave your land to go to such a far place to search for your income. Because you would know Hashem could give you your money anywhere. And with that, the parush argument was cut off. He was silent and he realized, oh my God, he's right. <laughs> my emunah bitawan isn't as strong as I'm advertising. So he actually learned something from the idol worshiper. He went back to his land. From that point on, he accepted upon himself, that's it, I'm going to be perishut, meaning I'm never going to leave my city again. And I'm never going to pursue business elsewhere. And I'm just going to be present. I'm going to have emunah and Hashem, and Hashem is going to serve me here where I am. So now let's just read the commentary, because I think there's a lot of interesting things here. Because listen, I don't know about you guys, but... You know, I, I'm used to the concept of people traveling for business. You got to travel. You go to China, you go to different cities, you meet bars. So I just want to see what he says here in the commentary. Havot Alevot indicates that for a person with true bitachon, it's inappropriate to journey to another place in pursuit of an income. This is also stated quite clearly in the Midrash in Vaikra Rabbah. However, this would seem at odds with the teaching in the Gemara, Bava Metziah, that says, if things are going bad for a person in his town and he does not move to a different place, he is to blame for his poverty. Meaning the Gemara is saying, listen, what are you talking about? If you're in a city, there's no opportunity. You're not making money. You're not seeing mazal. You got to move. The Gemara is saying it's proper to seek sustenance in another venue. So the Rashba addresses this issue, as I'm reading the commentary, and explains that sometimes a person's lack, sometimes a person lacks sufficient income because heaven decreed that he's denied sustenance on account of his sins. And leaving your hometown is a form of exile that atones you for your sins. Which, by the way, is wild. I'm reading this for the first time, but it's reminding me of something I read Rabbi Nachman, where he says when a person has to travel a lot, it's because of a lack of emunah. Almost in a way what he's saying here, where, where there's, two, there's two forms of this. There's a guy who's traveling because he has a lack of emunah, so he feels he has to run all over the place to make his income. Or it's the reverse. Because the guy has a lack of emunah or he has some sins, he has to travel for business and that's a form of exile to atone for his sins. Amazing. So Rashba is basically saying that moving to a different location can bring atonement to the person and cause the decree to be rescinded. And when the decree is rescinded, 
he gets his money. He gets his parnasah. So it's almost like the guy who travels to business and then makes parnasah, it's almost like he made his money after traveling because the traveling helped him atone for his sin and the reward was, let's say, the parnasah. Amazing. The Rashba also notes that a person's income is affected by mazal. Right? And a change of location can change a person's mazal. I mean, this we know, makom mazal. This is something we hear all the time. Either way, when the Gemara says that moving to another town can be beneficial, it's not because the person's preordained income is, is there and he can't get it where he is. Right? It's, it's, it's because he might be deemed more worthy once he relocates and, and, and he's atoned. Right? There's another question for Turan Ramah. Okay, because I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to read through this here because I find this very interesting. Turanamah favorably cite the opinion of Rabbeinu Tam that traveling for business is considered travel for the sake of a mitzvah. Wow, look at this. This is another angle. Rabbeinu Tam, they're saying it's a mitzvah to support your family. It's a mitzvah for you to earn money. So a guy who's traveling for business, he's traveling for the sake of a mitzvah. Magen Abraham adds that this applies even to a business trip for extra income. Meaning, let's say his family's taken care of. Magen Abraham's saying, no, it's still a mitzvah. To, 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 for profit, it's a mitzvah. So how can this idea that a journey for the sake of extra income is a mitzvah trip be reconciled with the words of Chovot Alevavot who's saying it's, uh, it's not good? So some explain that Chovot Alevavot is setting out a high standard of bitahon, right? But not everyone's on this level. They're saying, you know, you're talking about a different level. You're talking about a guy, he's on a crazy level. I don't have to move, my money's gonna come to me somehow. Okay. Now we've learned that the degree of Hashem's providence, Hashem's interaction with us, is directly related to the person's bitachon. So Chavot Levot is saying, if you get to a level of true bitachon, you can't, you can't fake it. You can't fake it. If you believe in your heart of hearts, deep down in your soul, that you truly do not have to move, Hashem will take care of you, Hashem's going to pull through for you. But if you have a little doubt, might not work. That, that's, what, that's one way they reconcile it. They say it's, it's a... It's, it's, it's the level of the guy. The more one relies exclusively on Hashem, the more Hashem will directly provide his needs without the guy having to exert himself. Okay? So as a guy climbs the ladder of Bitahon, he might realize, okay, it's all from Hashem. Maybe he doesn't need to travel as much. And maybe he doesn't have to run around and, uh, and look for money all over the place. In fact, for a guy like that, it might actually undermine his bitahon, right? It might actually take away from his bitahon. But for people like uh, like us, I'll speak about for me, let's say we didn't reach that level yet, that uh, you're automatically going to be provided in your town and you're good. If he sees opportunity elsewhere, he's permitted. It's probably appropriate for his level. It's a mitzvah for him to pursue the opportunity. So so that's that's sort of how they they uh, they bring it together. That's how they bring it together. Basically, if you had a high level... Okay, Hashem will pull through for you. If you're not there yet, it's completely okay for you to go chase the money. But the point is, the benefit of having that perfect bitachon is you don't have to chase the money. You don't have to drain yourself. You don't have to exhaust yourself. So that's the second one. That's the second benefit, the physical benefit of bitachon. Let's keep going. A third benefit. Umehem, another benefit. Menuhata nefesh v'aguf minamasim akashim v'amelachot hamiagiot yakagufot A person with bitahon could enjoy mental and physical relief from stressful jobs and physically exhausting work. Because if a person feels pressured to earn a living and he feels that he has to manage it all, he might choose something that's very difficult, that's mentally taxing, physically draining, that'll ultimately maybe bring him the wealth that he thinks he needs. But when a person relies on Hashem and he knows that really his wealth does not depend on his career, 
he'll sort of let Hashem guide him to where he belongs in his employment and he'll be happy. He'll be content with where he ends up. He doesn't necessarily have to choose something that, he's, that he doesn't feel fits with him. Right? That does, that's not suitable with his physical and mental capabilities. Like for example, you have a lot of kids in college. You know, finance. They go to finance school. Investment banking. A lot of these guys feel they have to go into investment banking to be rich. And they're working 18 hour days. And they're working. They, they wake up. It's dark. They go to sleep. It's dark. You know, they feel sort of for their goals and for their financial planning for the future. That's sort of what they have to do. Whereas maybe a guy would be that one says, you know what? I want to be wealthy. I'm going to put in my work. I'm going to put in the shadlu. It's not for me. I'm not good at math. I can't handle these crazy hours. I'm going to start here. I'm going to try to do this. Entrepreneurship or real estate. But point is, the guy's a little more open-minded to let his, his passions, his heart, his soul guide him. Let Hashem guide him to a place that he can work rather than him just using his brain to say, oh, this job makes money. Okay, I, mean, I love it. I'm going to do it anyway. Gives him the confidence to also turn down offers. You know, he might, he might get offers from, from, it says here, royal employment, you know, which let's say, uh, you know, government, court. So even, even companies, big companies, it allows him to turn down things that really might not work for him. See, a lot of people, unfortunately, they'll make life choices, career choices, job choices, business choices. That might not be what's best for them because they can't turn down the dollar amount. You know, they see the dollar signs. You know, they say it's an expression, an offer you can't refuse. A guy would be Tahon could refuse these if they're not if they're not if they're not best for him. A guy, however, who relies on just himself and he feels that it's on him, he's gonna seek the form of employment that has the greatest potential for a high income, even if the work is taxing or dangerous or not his type. But the guy who trusts in Hashem, the Haboteyach, the guy who relies on Hashem, Hashem No, he'll actually choose a career or a path that's easiest for his body or good for his soul or that he's passionate about or that he believes in. The Shem Tov law that has good, he preserves his good reputation. You know, he's not selling, he's not doing things just because uh, it has money even if it might be legal or not proper. It gives his heart and his mind the time to heal and to actually focus on important things like prayer and Torah study, right? He's not, he's not, he's not pushing himself past the limit. And, and it's actually most conducive to letting him fulfill his spiritual obligations because the guy could be a human. The guy's not chasing the money. He's not working jobs that are exhausting just to make money. He's not accepting gigs that he doesn't really like that he makes him miserable just for the money. Whereas the guy who trusts in God, he'll be happy. Imagine going to work and it's fulfilling. Imagine going to work and it's, and it's, and it's purposeful. It's meaningful to you. It adds to you spiritually. Imagine if work... work there's a misconception that work is work and spirituality is spirituality. They're separate. People believe when I'm in the office, I'm an animal. <laughs> I'm a beast. I'm at war. When I'm in work, I'm in work. When I'm, when I'm home, I'm home. You know, I come to shul, I, I shake the Hashem, I thank Hashem, I go to work, I'm fighting. Not, it doesn't have to be that way. Work at Renachman, the Kabbalah, there's all sources that say work is spiritual. Work is a spiritual battleground where we go to make the right decisions and to, and to strengthen our, our emunah and to, and, to, and to take what we're learning in ethics and in morals and apply them properly and bring sparks of holiness into the world and, 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 and have positive exchanges with human beings and also to be joyful, to be happy. Have you ever seen somebody who goes to work and loves what they do? It's like they come home from a 12-hour day. It's like they came home from the spa. People feel alive. People who love what they do, they're passionate, they're fiery, they're excited. Now, it doesn't mean you have to do what you love. 
You could do something you don't love, but if you approach it, knowing this is where Hashem wants me right now, this is where I'm meant to be, this is I'm doing what's best, then, then, then there'll be nahat in the job. There'll be nahat. And if you have bitachon, if an opportunity comes up, if it's right for you, you'll take it. If it's not right for you, you're not going to take it just because there's dollar signs. So, so that's, that's, that's what he's saying here about another physical benefit. That, 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 and again, it's, it all connects to the peace of mind. He keeps saying Shabbat Nefesh. He keeps saying that. But, but there are different angles. There's nuances within these lessons that are phenomenal. We can learn this ourselves. Don't just do things to do them because it looks good for your resume. Don't just do things to do them because it looks good for your bank account. Don't do, th- of course, Ishtadlut, practical. I have to take care of my family. I have to make money. But, but again, it's coming from Hashem. Make decisions through that lens. He chooses an occupation based on his strong conviction that the specific avenue that he's choosing was not going to add or take away from his from his income. Meaning, this guy's making decisions based on his spiritual, based on his soul. He's not saying more money, less money. He's not making calculations because he believes in his heart. It's all from Hashem. He's saying, I'm depending on Hashem. Whatever Hashem wants. Whatever the opportunity opens up, if it feels right, I'm going to do it. If it doesn't feel right, I'm not going to do it. Hashem is guiding me. Hashem is going to give me whatever I need regardless. For neither from sunrise nor from sunset nor from the wilderness comes greatness. For God is the judge. He lowers this one and raises that one. Basically, what it's saying that regardless of, 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 of where you're looking in the world, left, right, up, down, what makes Hashem, what makes a person rich is Hashem's decree. What makes a person poor is Hashem's decree. Hashem is the one that's going to determine what happens. And again, he's quoting another beautiful pasuk. In lush meadows, he lays me down. Beside tranquil waters, he leads me. As we said, Hashem provides for the people that rely on him with sustenance in ways that are pleasant physically and emotionally. If you have a munan Hashem, and you lead your work with Hashem, Hashem will have you love your work. Your work will help you spiritually, it won't take away from you, it won't drain you. So the third worldly benefit of Bidahon is that it allows a person to seek work that's not emotionally stressful, physically taxing, or perfection, or, or potentially harmful. It contributes to the per- person's spirituality. In fact, Rabbi Nachman of Breslev, just to, just to tie it in a little bit, he even says that if a person does business and work in holiness, it's considered rest, it's considered sleep. He literally says that. He says there's three types of sleep. There's physical sleep, which increases yamunah, recharges you. There's spiritual sleep from the standpoint of Torah, where you read Peshat, you just read the Humash as is, it actually recharges your brain. And there's sleep and business, where if you conduct your business properly, it recharges your mind, because it takes your mind off other things. When you're in, when you're in business, when you're in work, you're focused. If you're on it, Everybody knows the feeling of being in a flow state at work. You're accomplishing, you're feeling productive, you're feeling good, you're building, you're growing, you're using your creativity, you're analyzing it. If you do it right, it'll recharge you. That's the third benefit. All right, the fourth and fifth are kind of short. Let's wrap it up. Let's, let's, let, this is, by the way, this, this third class is going to finish our introduction to Shara Bitahon. So we're going to finish the fourth and fifth physical benefit. And then next class, we'll start chapter one of Shara Bitahon. Okay. Fourth worldly benefit. Umehem, another benefit. Someone who relies on, uh, on Hashem has little heartache as a result of his business ventures. Excuse me. Even if a person suffers a setback or a loss, right? Let's say a guy loses a sale. 
Or he can't collect the debt. Let's say somebody owes him money, he can't get his money out. Or if God forbid the guy gets sick or injured when now he can't work anymore. These obstacles do not cause him stress because he knows that Hashem is managing the business and can arrange his affairs better than he can. And Hashem will choose for this man what's good for him better than what he would have chosen for himself. Like it says, it says that God alone waits silently, my soul, because my hope is from him. So this is such an important concept. God forbid a guy in business, not God for, I mean, not God forbid, it happens every day. There's issues, there's bayot, there's chaos, there's problems. Customers cancel orders. Factories send you terrible product. Uh, a big brand that you're working with cancels your agreement. A competitor steals a customer or copies a product. Or if you're in real estate, a tenant stops paying and bails on the lease. Or if you're in the stock market, the market plummets. Or if you're an investor, a company invested in went bankrupt. Or if you guys fill in the blank, there's problems in business all day, every day. And then he gives an example, God forbid this, God forbid someone gets injured, a guy can't work anymore. Mental health, physical health, guy can't work anymore. God forbid he has issues at home, he's distracted, he can't work, his wife, God forbid, his kids, something, cancer, who knows? Fill in the blank, God forbid, the point is, there are a lot of problems that could take a guy out of his work and stress him out and, and, and give him heartache. He's saying here, a guy with true bitachon and emunah Hashem, no worries. Hashem's handling everything. Hashem's taking care of everything. And Hashem could get me out of this situation. Hashem knows this situation better than anybody. Hashem can manage the situation better than anybody. I'm leaving it up to Him. Now, of course, again, Ishtadlut. Pray to Hashem. Do your research. Put in the work. Strategize. Think of the things you could do. Talk to people. Of course, you got to do Ishtadlut. But at the end of the day, in your heart, Ishtadlut is Ishtadlut. You know Hashem's running the show. And this is so important, guys. This is so important because... Business, whoever's in business, whoever works, you knows it's so complicated, it's so complex, it's so challenging. How could someone manage your business? How could someone truly manage your business with so many things that are out of your control? You have macroeconomic things that are out of your control, what happens within the economy. You have consumer demand, you have competition. There's so, most of business is out of your control. But when you have Imunan Hashem, the guy's at peace. Hashem's running the show, Hashem can manage my business. Hashem can manage, but the same way Hashem manages your health. You know how complicated and complex the human body is? Every organ, every tissue, even they just one, pick one system, the digestive system. The fact that your body can, can digest certain foods with certain enzymes at certain parts of your body and it derives nourishment and it transports all the nutrients where it needs to go and the waste goes out. That's one system. Imagine the atoms and cells and, and all the little nuances in your body and your brain, the neurons, the... Hashem is managing the whole thing. You think you can manage? You're not managing any of that. You're just breathing and walking. You're not managing any of that. Same thing with your business. It looks like you're managing it. You come to the office, you think you're doing stuff. And my man has a very funny joke. He says, you know, in COVID, a lot of people got rich. Of course, a lot of people, unfortunately, had struggles. But he said a lot of people get, got rich. You know, they were working from home. He said, you know why? Because people stopped going to the office. They stopped getting in the way. They let Hashem do their thing. We go to the office thinking we're going to make the money. We're getting in the way. Of course, guys, it's, you know, we're exaggerating for the sake of humor, but of course, Hishtadlut, but Hashem's running the show. So the fourth worldly benefit is that person can be relaxed about his business matters, even if he suffers setbacks, even if a guy has a major issue or an obstacle, God forbid, 
uh, Hashem's running the show. Let's wrap it up. We have the fifth worldly benefit of Bitahor Mehen, fifth one, Simachto, Becholinyan, Shiatake Lavim, Yer, Kenegetipo. Person can feel happy. He's happy with any situation that Hashem puts him in, even if the situation is at odds with his nature. For example, let's say a guy has to earn his income in a way that goes against his nature or makes him uncomfortable, right? He accepts, this is Hashem's doing, he's happy, right? Let's say you have a guy who gets a job as a salesman and now the guy has to travel to different cities to sell, right? Some people don't like traveling. Some people, they can't stand getting on a, on a, on a plane. Okay, this is where Hashem wants me right now. Hashem wants me doing this, this is how I make my parasa, I'm gonna go. Well, let's say you have a guy, uh, I'll give you an example with, uh, with me, let's say in business, where I love selling a certain type of a product. Now I find out we have too much of this product. You have to sell this one. We, we have too many. It's in the warehouse. What do you mean? But I want to sell what I'm selling. No, you have to sell. Okay, Hashem, this is what you want me to sell this. I'm going to sell this. I don't love this item. You know, it's not, I'm not passionate about it. It's a random item that we need to sell. All right, I'll sell it. You accept. Hashem puts you where he needs you. And by the way, it's the same thing in the army. You have guys, let's say, that are put where they need it. And they accept it because this is where the army could use them most. One guy might want to be working in this department, but they need him in that department. Wherever Hashem needs me, that's where Hashem is going to take me. This happiness stems from his confidence that in every situation, Hashem is going to only do its best for him, right? This is what it is. Okay, my boss wants me to travel to China now to look for, okay, do I, is it ideal? Do I want to go to China for two weeks and, 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 eat, uh, and eat out of a can and, uh, and, and not have access to my, my wife, my kids, or whatever, and be on a time? Okay, Hashem, okay, Hashem, he's sending me there. It's for my best. I'm going to go. Just as a loving mother does for her son when she bathes him and then swaddles the, 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 the baby and tightens and loosens the swaddle, whether the baby likes it or not, right? That's, that's the same thing that, that Hashem's doing. Meaning, you put a baby, what, what's the example he's saying? He's saying you put a baby in the bed, the baby's screaming, the baby's wailing in the bath, the baby's not happy, then you pick the baby up, you throw the baby onto the changer, you wrap it up, the baby's yelling, Jay. same thing, right? Hashem's doing what he wants to do with us, what he needs to do with us. We can either scream, well, we can accept it. You know, it's against our will, but it's for our best. What are we going to do? The way David says, May rest in peace. The attitude of complete trust in Hashem's loving care is exactly what David Amelch is saying here. He's saying, I swear that I still inquired my soul like a nursing infant at his mother's side, like a nursing infant is my soul. David Amelch went through a lot in his life. Guys, I mean, literally his own son tried to kill him. His own son kicked him off the throne, took his wives, took his army, his advisor turned against him. But he took it with calm, with love, with gratitude. His tehillim, most of his tehillim, praising and thanking Hashem was during crisis because he knew that Hashem had his best interests in mind. David knew that, that, that Hashem was doing his best for him. And another great example, we just learned recently from the parashah with Yosef, same thing. Yosef was sold as a slave. Well, very thrown in a pit, then sold as a slave, then thrown in jail, then... The Midrash says he was dancing and singing the entire time. He knew Hashem was managing his life. Hashem knows what's best for me. I might not understand. I don't understand the thing, but I know it's for my best. Gives the guy peace. Gives the guy peace. And this should give us peace. Hashem, I don't know why you're doing this to me. I don't know why I lost the sale. I don't know why I worked so hard and I just gave charity and now I lost the deal. I don't know what, fill in the blank. The point is, I don't understand Hashem, but I believe it's for my best. So again, the fifth worldly benefit is that a person can be happy in any situation. Let's conclude. Let's conclude. 
Quote Alevavot continues on. He writes, Since I've described some of the advantages of having Bitachon and Hashem, both worldly advantages and spiritual advantages, these being the benefits that occurred to me while writing this work, right? He's saying that these aren't all the advantages. These are the advantages that happened to come to my mind while I was writing this book. I will now elaborate on seven topics within the subject of Bitahon in the seven chapters of the Sha'ar. Amazing. So he's giving us a little taste of what's about to come. He says, listen, these are some of the benefits. There's way more. But I'm going to break down this book into seven chapters. Seven separate topics specifically about Bitahon. The first topic is what is Bitahon? The definition of Bitahon. That's the subject of chapter one. The second chapter focuses on the criteria that would theoretically provide a basis for placing trust in human beings and shows that no human being meets those criteria and only Hashem does. So what's he saying? The second chapter is about why a person relies on human beings, but why it makes no sense because the things that you want from human beings only Hashem can provide. So so he's basically saying, I'm going to disprove to you why I'm going, to prove, I'm going to tell you what Bitachon is and then I'm going to tell you why having that in humans is worthless and weak. The third chapter is, is, is where I'm going to clarify the principles that oblige a person to place his reliance on Hashem. So he's going to talk about specifically how a person can rely on Hashem. And the obligation to rely on Hashem and how to do so in balance with earning a livelihood, which I'm, that's very interesting. He's saying, I'm gonna explain to you how you're obligated, but also how you can still earn a living even though you're relying on Hashem. Meaning, how do those go together? If you if you have reliance on Hashem, how could you now go to work and try to earn for yourself? The fourth chapter is gonna be about clarifying different areas where bitachon applies, different things in life. And the distinction between good bitahon and bad bitahon, interesting. So he's saying, I'm going to explain to you, there's, there's, there's good bitahon, real pure bitahon, and then there's potentially negative bitahon. The fifth chapter is going to talk about the difference between the way a person trusts in Hashem and how that affects his livelihood versus someone who doesn't trust Hashem and how it affects his livelihood. And the sixth chapter is going to talk about different arguments that you can give back to a person that say that to devote to them to Hashem's service, first they need to be rich and, and, and they need to enjoy the pleasures of the world. So he's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain to you arguments against people who say, oh, I need to be rich. And I wanna have to, once I get rich and once I, once I figure my life out physically, then I'll, then I'll serve Hashem. And, and that they hope to, 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 to start serving Hashem after they have financial security. And these people are, are solicitors of security deposits from Hashem. Meaning, these are people that are saying like, basically, they don't trust Hashem will provide for them. So they say, fine, I'm willing to trust Hashem and serve Hashem only after I have my money. 
So, so it's really, it's not real bitachon, obviously. The Ashebi'i and the seventh and final chapter, Bemafsidea bitachon belohim, is about things that take away from a person's ability to have complete bitachon in Hashem. And it includes everything else that needs to be said on the topic of bitachon, as well as a brief synopsis of the 10 levels of bitachon. I'm going to wrap up here. I'm going to give a quick summary because we covered a lot. But basically, we said that Shara Bitahon is following the, the, the Shara Vodat Hashem because the way to serve Hashem is to have Bitahon. You need Bitahon. And there are a bunch of benefits five physical, five spiritual. Let's start with the spiritual. One, one attains peace of mind and a sense of reliance on Hashem in a way that a servant relies on his master. If one fails to rely completely on Hashem, he has to rely on someone else or on himself. And then Hashem withdraws himself, and a person loses that attachment and that comfort to Hashem. Number two, one does not feel subservient to any other person when he has bitachon. So he's not burdened with flattering people, having to give in to people, having to do what other people do, and he's free to speak his mind and do whatever he feels is right. Number three, a person is calm and he's at peace so he can focus on Hashem. And of course, we mentioned the 10 advantages over an alchemist. Number four, he's grateful with whatever he has. So he can actually use his money properly to serve Hashem and to give charity. And the fifth is that a person can use his wealth when he earns his wealth in healthy ways as well. It doesn't take away from his bitachon. He understands from it's, it's from Hashem. He understands that he is a temporary holder. Those are the five uh, uh, spiritual. The five physical is number one. One is free from the stresses that, that, that come with a person who constantly has to get and get and get. Number two, a person doesn't have to travel so much because he believes Hashem can take care of him wherever he is. Number three, he doesn't have to take any job that comes his way, whether it's unhealthy for him or he doesn't love it because he believes Hashem will give it to him. However, Hashem will give it to him so he can actually follow his heart and his soul. Number four, a person is calm in business because even if he suffers setbacks, he knows it's for his best. He knows it's from Hashem and he knows Hashem can handle the situation. And number five, someone could be happy in business, even if there's major issues, because he understands that Hashem will take care of him. Thank you, everyone. And I'm looking forward to starting chapter one, Shara Bitachon, when we get together next.